Sabonis brought it to him. What is up? You are listening to the All Pacers Pod, a podcast for Pacer fans, by Pacer fans. I'm your host, Jack, and today I'm joined by Sal from the Playbook Podcast and at all.pacers on Instagram. Sal, how's it going? It's going fantastic. The season wrapped up for all of the NBA teams, which I know you've covered on the Playbook. If you haven't listened to that one yet, it's the episode right before this um, on the All Indie Sports feed. But Sal, more importantly, the Pacers season has come to an end. How are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling very happy. I'm very content with how we ended off this season. Um, I think finally we made changes in the right direction, and I, I don't think it could have went any better. I mean, we could have won the ten championship. Ten-game losing streak. Ten-game losing streak to finish the year. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I see what you're saying. So, for the the best case scenario for how our season could have ended in the final ten games is lose all ten games, but make it fun. And yeah. I had fun watching those games. Me too. Um. So yeah, ton of things. You know, the season's over. It's crazy to me that we're gonna have to wait. What sixty? I. Is it two months until like the draft lottery and then the NBA drafts even after that? Yeah. Um, so we're going to have a lot of time to just kind of assess this team and their future going forward. Um, I know there's going to be a ton of news coming out as far as Brogdon and Buddy Heald go, probably sooner rather than later. I'm already seeing some rumblings. And we're going to talk about a uh, another rumbling that Shams uh, brought up recently. But, or I think that was today, right? Shams. It had, was today, yes. I don't yes. want to give away too much of it yet, if you haven't seen it yet. We're, we're going to get to it. But, yeah, I mean, we're, we have a, a long time until we get to see the Pacers make another move, really. And it's wild because this doesn't always happen for the Pacers. And so, first of all, I just want to say, we have a top 10 pick for sure at this point. It is our first, it's going to be our first single-digit draft pick since 1989 so this is a brand new thing for us as Pacer fans we've had the number 10 pick before I believe we got Paul George at 10 or 11 Kawhi Leonard I believe was at around that same spot too um but man top 10 just sounds awesome what what are your thoughts right now I mean are you hoping for I mean what let me let me word this differently do you believe in getting the number one pick or where are you where are you feeling right now do I believe we'll get the number one pick? Absolutely not. But I am hoping, as long as we get in top four, I really do not care what it is. Preferably, we get one of the forwards in the draft or big men like Chet, Jabari, Paolo. Ivy would be cool if we have to settle with him at four because I know a lot of people like him. But personally, I want to pair a forward or a big with Tyrese. And those best forward and bigs are all in the top three. Um, so... And it looks like they're going to stay there, too. Yeah, it looks like they're going to stay there unless Ivy gets drafted um, in there. But, um, yeah, I'm really hoping for top four. I don't know what I'm going to do if we're not there. Probably well, you're, the best, you're lower happy. on Duarte now, too. So I'm sure your Jaden Ivy stock's gone up a little bit because of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we should draft not draft Jaden Ivy at four if, if Chris Duarte is the deciding factor, which he should have no factor in the draft decision. All right. Hopefully he's healthy too next year. I'm I'm really hopeful that a lot of these injuries that we've seen towards the end of the season, I'm really hoping it's just rest and the Pacers just shutting players down instead of, you know, 
Oh, it is rest. Yeah, but, you know, like, they still get listed with some kind of injury. Me and Austin, who is, you know, the producer of the All Pacers pod, we went to the Denver Nuggets game recently in Indy, and TJ McConnell, who's been out with that hand injury or wrist injury for pretty much the whole season. At that point, I thought he was going to be shut down all year. We got to see him play a little bit at least to end the season. But he was uh, waving his hands back and forth like this on the bench while he was hurt. And um, I was like, well, I mean, that's pretty obvious that he's shut down and the Pacers are just letting him rest. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, my point is maybe Duarte's doing okay and we'll get to see him more next season and he's not just another Malcolm Brogdon which is my big fear is that something that you've been concerned about too um yeah obviously he's a rookie coming into the NBA at 24 which is already not the most ideal thing and we've seen that he has had a lot of injury issues uh very early on I mean they're not major issues issues but like they're significant enough for him to already miss like what was it like 20 games plus that he's missed now so um yeah, I mean, a lot of other guys have stepped up in place for him. Uh, so, I mean, we've got we've got a good enough sample to determine how Chris has been, which I, I'd say is a successful pick for pick number thirteen. I mean, there's all there's steals way deeper in the draft, but like if every other team's passed on it, it's like I don't really feel bad that we picked him at thirteen. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think he's going to be a good NBA player for a long time too. Um, let's quickly recap some of the moves the Pacers made this year, and then we're going to get into some news after that. But I was looking through the transactions today, and it's just kind of mind-blowing with how much the Pacers did this year. And let's just kind of start from the beginning. We got – we signed, well, I'm just going to start with the draft. We got, obviously, Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson coming out of that draft. I know you were super high on Isaiah Jackson, and you're probably even higher at this point on him. Are you feeling good about those picks at this point? I know we just talked about Duarte, but I mean, as a whole from that draft, how are you feeling now, one year later almost? I think it's an A-plus draft for us. I think it's the best one we've had in so long. Like, I can't even think, like, who have we drafted besides, like, I don't know, Paul George in recent memory that's, like, a really good draft pickup? I can't really think of someone. Miles Turner. Like, TJ Leaf. I, I, yeah, I guess Miles Turner. Miles um, Turner and I think Joe Young was drafted the same year as but Turner. But I think I think this this draft's going to be better than the Turner one and then before that I can't really see anything else besides Paul George. So, uh yeah, this draft class is like mind-blowingly good to me. Yeah, so that was our draft picks from last year. Before the season started, we signed Terry Taylor, Kiefer Sykes, and Dwayne Washington Jr. Dwayne Washington got a two-way contract, Terry Taylor and Kiefer Sykes were the Exhibit 10 contracts, which basically meant they were going to be on the G League. But, I mean, in hindsight, those were three really good signings for us, or important signings for us. Um, guys that we kind of, you know, saw as throwaway players that aren't going to be important for the Pacers this year, but they all played uh, a real role for this team and the lack of success, too. On August 6th, the trade that sent Aaron Holiday to the Wizards went through. Um, I mean, that obviously happened on draft night, but that was part of the Russell Westbrook to Lakers trade too. So it was a big five-team trade. It all worked out that way. And that's how we ended up getting Isaiah Jackson. Let's move on. Doug McDermott leaves. Uh, Torrey Craig gets signed by the Pacers. That was our big free agent signing. It was a good one. That was a good, that was a good free agent, especially with what we got from it. 
great signing. Yeah, and I don't know what Jalen Smith's value is going to be. And if you're not aware of what we got for Torrey Craig, we traded Torrey Craig to the Suns and we got Jalen Smith, who's been awesome. No, he sucks. He sucks. <laughs> but every other team in the NBA know that he is horrible and should not be resigned. And by well, anyone. okay, so we were really pushing for Jalen Smith to get shut down, so other teams don't know how good he is. The Kings just ran into this issue. I don't know if you followed it at all. Dante Divincenzo has yeah, been awesome. Yeah. He's been a great mm-hmm. player. The, the fans love him, and the Kings shut him down. And he is so mad about that because they were purposely trying to lower his value so they could get him for a cheaper price. I'd be mad too. Yeah, and we were pushing for that for Jalen Smith, and I never had that perspective. I think I think he likes. Indiana enough and it seems like he thinks it's a funny joke and I think with all the support that he's been getting this year just from Pacers fans I think he'll like sacrifice one year he'll take the four mil that it is that he can get and then next year he'll be up for an extension and I'm sure either we'll definitely re-sign him for a bigger contract or we'll let someone go in order to keep him well yeah I mean it's going to be totally dependent on where Miles Turner is and where Isaiah Jackson is um maybe where Goga is I think at this point, Goga's not going to play another game in the NBA, but we'll see. Um, we'll talk about that eventually, too. But let's move on. So we did wave Amita Brima on August 24th. No surprise there. He'll be back. Don't worry. October 6th, <laughs> we're jumping forward a lot. We traded Sumner and a 2025 second pick to the Nets for a Euro stash player, Juan Pablo Valette. Right. Yes. And I guess we still own the rights to him. I've been doing some research on that. There's not like a definitive place that says Pacers own his rights but might not be important who knows maybe just a name to remember down the road but Sumner getting traded to the Nets and us getting that Euro stash opened up a spot on our roster to sign guard Brad Wanamaker and uh, I think I speak for everybody who's a Pacer fan that I was very disappointed at that signing and it turns out that disappointment was justified because that was not a very good signing at all. No. October. Um, f- oh, sorry. Go fun, ahead. F- fun fact. I have a feeling that Sumner will re-sign with the Pacers next year. Or Man. the Pacers will bring him back. Very strong feeling that they will. I think it's going to be another one of those Lance things. But, uh, I mean, he's been working out at the Pacers gym. He, fans still love him and he's working out and he's back to like dunking and running and all that stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if eventually he gets like a 10 day with the Pacers next year at some point. See, that'd be, that'd be awesome. I, I do think there's a possibility of that. I, I hadn't thought about that until you just brought it up, but you know, when teams get rid of guys because they're hurt and it's almost like they're just throwing them to the curb because they're not fun anymore at that point. Um, sometimes teams try to correct the, that wrong that they did and will try to bring that guy back to maybe a 10 day contract or something similar. So I could see that happening. That's, that's really interesting. You heard it here first. There you go, Sal. Um, October 15th, we waived Nate Hinton, Kiefer Sykes, and Terry Taylor. And we signed as a result, Benny Boatwright, Derek Culver, and Justin Anderson, which didn't mean anything at the time other than they were going to be G league players. At the time, though, for me, I thought, why are we wasting our time with Justin Anderson? He's the worst player in the NBA. But I never thought he'd play for the Pacers. Um, he's, he's decent now. I got to give him his flowers on being all right. Oh, I gave him a nickname. I don't know if you listened to the last episode of the All Pacers pod. I did him not. And, him and Goga, they're the gruesome twosome. That's what I've been referring to them as. <laughs> Justin Anderson did exactly uh, what we expected him to do, and that is play a part in a 10-game losing streak to end the season. 
for the Pacers. So I guess if that's what you want, um, let's move on. We re-signed Terry Taylor to a two-way contract, which turned out to be a great move. I love Terry Taylor. Um, Me too. January 1st was a huge day because we signed Justin Anderson to a 10-day contract, but the Pacers quickly covered that up. They still signed him to that 10-day contract, but they covered that up because they knew that I was going to be outraged, and they signed Lance Stevenson to a 10-day contract. His first of four, I believe. Yeah. Um, How long do you think Lance is going to be a Pacer? Uh, I think he's 100% back next season. No doubt in my mind he's back next season, at least for the year. And I can see maybe two years. Um, I mean, like, this guy literally finishes the game, and 30 minutes after the game, he posts, game just finished. I really, I already miss it so much. And, and he's, like, and he's posting all this stuff on his story, and, like, he stays, and he's giving out buckets of his shoes, which is absolutely nuts. He, like, did that meet-and-greet thing. Uh, he's 100% back next season, and I know he'd, like, he's probably... Like not no other team is probably like looking at him like that because I think they can kind of tell that he only plays good in Indiana. So he he was okay in L.A. Maybe the Lakers will try to get him. I don't know what they're gonna. They sign got more him with. problems that Lance Stevenson could fix. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well, maybe I I don't want to say Lance can't fix any terrible situation in the NBA <laughs> because he's a great player. Sal isn't he top ten for you all time in Indiana? He's close. Uh, just outside that. Just outside that. February seventh, we traded Karis Levert and a twenty twenty two second for Ricky Rubio and a twenty twenty two first, which we're going to talk about what that means here in a minute, because it is lottery protected and the Cavs are in the playing game. We'll get to that though. February eighth, the day after we traded Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, and Sabonis plus a second for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson. Best trade you've ever experienced as a Pacer? Eventual top three Pacer of all time. Tyrese Halliburton. Yeah. Not Tristan Thompson? Uh, he's up there, though. <laughs> Four games. I mean, that's better than a lot he of said these he guys. Loved it. He about. said he loved Indiana. So. Yeah, well, that's not going to affect... Uh, <laughs> that's not going to give him a better draft grade or player grade uh, in our segment we're about to do here in a minute. All right. For me. Yep. Don't worry. It's not going to be higher because of that. Uh, really? February 10th. No, it's not. <laughs> February 10th, we traded Tory Craig for Jalen Smith. We already talked about that. Awesome trade. February 17th, we waived Tristan Thompson, which the writing was on the wall for that. We thought he was never even going to play a game for the Pacers, but he, he, he put forth at least a little bit of effort. Yep. Um, we did another couple of stints with Justin Anderson on 10 days, um, and I, I skipped all the Lance ones here as well but april 7th which was our final transactions of the year we converted dwayne washington and terry taylor from two-way contracts to regular contracts and then we signed gabe york and nate hinton to two-way contracts however we waived friend of the podcast Kiefer sykes sal have you recovered it's it's sad it is a sad moment in pacers history in all pacers history um yeah, at least uh, I said thank. I I sent him a message, and I sent his mom a message, saying <laughs> how <laughs> good luck in his in the rest of his career. You know. Yeah, <laughs> I hope he gets another shot somewhere. He um, will. He will. I think. Yeah. Okay. I, I I hope so. Um, he's he's definitely a talented player, and if the Warriors game is any glimpse into what he's capable of as an NBA player, I feel like 
he will get another chance. So, um, also, I, I just want to add that might be my favorite moment of the year, the Golden State Warriors game. Yeah, probably. Right. So what we we started a bunch of those random players, forced overtime with the nearly healthy Warriors. They were just without Draymond, but Kiefer Sykes completely took over in overtime and we won the game amazing in hindsight i wish we lost because i think we would have been tied with the thunder and uh at least for lottery odds but it's okay oh that was a fun win we had one of those great moments and Kiefer sykes brought that to us so it was heartbreaking to see a fun player in Kiefer sykes but also a friend of the podcast Kiefer sykes it was sad to see him go sal that wraps up all the transactions for this year to me i see you know obviously it's a rebuilding season the pacers weren't trying to hide that in any way with these transactions we got younger we got some random guys we signed justin anderson over and over again we had brad wanamaker we brought some fun with lance and got younger with halliburton so i mean it was a fun set of transactions but obviously it was a losing a purposeful losing strategy with these transactions but I know you love it. Yeah, I see direction with this team now. You know, they made it prevalent that they want to go in a new direction. And that is something that I am 100% okay with. Um, you know, Buddy Heald's also not a piece you can sleep on. That was a good pickup as well. And I mean, you got him for nothing. Because, um, I mean, you match up Tyrese with Sabonis. Um, right now, I think Tyrese is probably the better player. And at the time, maybe you could even argue that he still was then. And then, because uh, statistically, apparently, uh, JJ Redick brought this up and he was talking about how, like, in every stat before that trade happened, like, and, and like analytical advanced stat, like, Tyrese was the clear best player on the Kings. And, uh, and then we traded Holiday and Lamb for uh, Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. So that was also really cool. Sad to see. Justin go because that was my second favorite NBA player once upon a time uh but yeah a really fun pacer um super under the radar signing when we had signed him yeah, TJ McConnell great. I think he we got great for us yeah so it was TJ McConnell and Justin Holiday were two signings that happened simultane- simultaneously and no one was excited about it but both turned out to be really solid players so shout out yeah. Justin Holiday we're always going to be a fan of his. Just finished the season in his last game of the year with 19 points. So I'm, I'm glad he yeah. kind of has had some moments. I know it hasn't been a great season for him, at least shooting-wise. Yeah. Uh, I want to talk about Buddy Heald, too, since you mentioned he's having he's been really good for the Pacers. Something that, you know, you know Buddy Heald is a three-point shooter. He mm. uh, has shot really well from three over the course of his career. He's about 40%. He's at 39.8%. And the amount of threes he takes per game with 7.6 makes that 39.8% uh, three-point shooting look great because he's just throwing up these shots like at the end of games or when he needs a bucket for his team. He's the one shooting those uh, contested threes. So you know like he's a great shooter just based on that. But something that we got to see from him in Indy, and I don't know if it's you know, just the Kings didn't know what they were doing or New Orleans didn't know what they were doing. My guess is that's probably the truth. But Buddy was creating. He would drive and kick. He averaged nearly five assists per game for the Pacers in 20, 26 games he played for us this year. 
which is by far the most he's had at any stop in his career. We're seeing a new aspect of Buddy Heald, and he looks like a player who's taken a step with the Pacers. I mean, at this point, are you okay if we try to trade him away? I mean, what would you even want? Is is there I a better mean, fit next to Halliburton? He himself, Buddy Heald, said that he feels like Indianapolis has given him a whole opportunity, like new like place for his game and how like in Sacramento they never let him move without with the ball on his own and he's doing that a lot in Indiana. Um and like I mean the Kings really wanted him on draft night. Like Mark was telling me about this how on draft night uh he got taken before the Kings could draft him. But the uh general manager of the Kings like told Buddy Heald like in one of his first games in the Pelicans like that he was gonna get Buddy healed onto the Kings. So like there's a little bit of tampering issues with that apparently. But uh I mean he ended up at the Kings in his rookie season. He got traded for. And I mean he he established himself as one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. And he won a three point competition, I believe. Um but now I mean you're kind of seeing something that's more uh built for contenders where he's able to be more versatile and more than just a shooter. Can also like create his own shot and dribble. And like do some like playmaking to a point. Yes, yeah. defense is pretty average. So, yeah. right. I mean the the whole defense for the Pacers this year is why we lost it's all these horrible. games. Yeah. yeah, and I mean you get that with young players. They're you know still learning the ropes in the NBA, learning the yeah. speed. Clearly, offensively, like we have talent, but yeah, the defense will catch up. I know Tyrese Halliburton has what it takes, and Duarte has what it takes if he's going to stay healthy and to be good. And Miles, obviously, yeah, he didn't play much this year. <laughs> Isaiah Jackson has TG shown. McConnell. Hey, TJ McConnell, one of the only triple doubles with steals. Um, and what has the record for most steals in a game tied with? Uh, it, yes, it's up there at least. It's so, ten. Clearly, a great defender, TJ McConnell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the defense will catch up with this young core, and um it's not there yet which makes sense because like i said they're young but it will average age is like 21 or something if you get rid of brogdon wow that's wild yeah. i didn't know that and Re- lance, 21? Lance, is, lance is like 30 years old you get okay. rid of lance and you get rid of brogdon and it's like you can't 21. get rid of lance though yeah never you can the, stay here until he's 40 if he wants like, <laughs> no the average age <laughs> has to be older than 21 uh it's like 21 or 22 or 23 really? i don't know Gosh, i'm looking at this team it's old you're not counting monte ellis no. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about some news. So, uh, speaking of Monte Ellis, we are no longer paying Monte Ellis. Is this a, a celebration type of moment, or should we be sad that it's over? I mean, it's kind of sad because it was a running joke, but I mean, it is two and a half million, which is half the money we need to sign Jalen Smith. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. It's cool. This is the year of expiring old men contracts like Luol Deng, Joakim Noah, and such. I'm sad to see him go. Yeah, I'm sad, but sad sadder than T.J. Leaf leaving. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> really? No, I, that was a great day for me. <laughs> I I don't know how that would be a, a bad day for anybody. T.J. Leaf was. <laughs> He he really gave Justin Anderson a run for his money for worst player in the NBA. <laughs> uh, so we alluded to this already. The Pacers own the Cavaliers' lottery-protected pick. Sal, I know you understand the intricacies of how this works. Can you walk me through that? 
Of of Justin Anderson being the worst player? No, of the uh, Cavs lottery protected pick. Oh, um, so basically tomorrow, it's the day of probably you're listening to this when this has already happened, but... Um, yeah, this, this should Cavs be posted on Wednesday. Yep. Yeah, the Cavs play the Nets on Tuesday, and uh, maybe we don't have to worry about this anymore as you're listening, because maybe the Cavs won. But if they don't win, they have to play the winner of the 9-10 game, which is the winner of Charlotte or Hawks. And uh, if the Cavs are able to make the playoffs as any seed, um, then we get the pick. And that would be the 17th pick in the draft. So that's why I said on, our, on the All Pacers story that we all have to be part-time Cavs fans next week. Or this week, I guess. And um, yeah, we get that 17th pick and that would be huge. But if the Cavs miss the playoffs and they end up losing both their play-in games, uh, they end up getting the pick, and then we traded Karras for nothing. So, actually, no, I think we got a second-round pick. So it'll it'll roll you know. over to maybe a first round next year. There's there's like uh, the protected picks; they end up being uh, like becoming something else the next year, and then if that isn't met, like the things that need to happen for that pick to move to the Pacers, then I think it'll roll into the next year, and then it'll probably just eventually be two seconds or something like that. Really? Um, yeah, it, it rolls over. I, I don't know exactly how this one works. We'll have to like really do a deep dive to figure that out. But, Didn't know um, that. Yeah, so the, as for now, like uh, all that we know is the Cavs have to get into the playoffs for us to get this pick this year. I'm not feeling good about it. I don't know how you're feeling about it, but this Hawks team's looking it's up to pretty Trae hot Young. right now. It's, it's all up to Trey Young. I have no worries about the Hornets, but I'm just pretty worried about the Hawks. Uh, Pacers. I mean, they don't have John Collins now, um, so but does that really change the fact that like the, if the Cleveland Cavaliers, if they had Jared Allen, which has just been confirmed to be out for both playing games, um, then I'm not worried at all. Like, I mean, they would have made the playoffs. They, they went, the Raptors wouldn't have passed them, but. No, Jared Allen is kind of disappointing, but they did get Evan Mobley back just a couple games ago. So hopefully, you know, Garland, Mobley, and uh, and the company can uh, do something, make some noise. So what's best case scenario for us? Like what pick um, are we getting? Best case scenario, uh, well, we get our pick, which is hopefully top four, uh, projected probably around three to seven or three to six. And then... Um, I mean, uh, the odds were like we have a 10% chance at top one. We have 10% chance at the first pick. And then it was, I think, 48 or 48% at top five or top four. Um, I have a screenshot here. Oh, yeah. Okay. So it was 10.5% chance at the first pick. And then it was 42.1% chance to be in the top four, which is what we want. So it's basically the flip of a coin if we're going to be in top four. So everyone... Uh, pray on that day and um and then ideally we get the Cavs. the Cavs make the playoffs we get the 17th pick and then not to be slept on we'll have the 31st pick from the rockets that's a valuable pick that's still basically a first round pick so i mean just outside of it and then we have the sun's uh 60th overall pick like we did last year um interesting cool so we may see that pick get paired with another player and we'll hopefully i mean like bit. we did it last we did it last draft so yeah, i believe maybe we take that 17th pick we throw like uh i don't know um, malcolm brogdon yeah and maybe level up a bit or maybe i don't know hey can i can i make a statement real quick 
Yes, you can. Look, I'm getting a ton of texts and calls from my friends that are Laker fans. I'm just going to tell you right now, there's a 0% chance the Pacers are going to part with Malcolm Brogdon for a 2027 or 2029 first pick. That's five years from now. I'm telling you it's not going to happen. That doesn't line up with our timeline. The 2027 one? Yeah, it's not going to – there's no way. I am very excited for that pick. Really? Do you want me to give, me to give my two cents on this? Sure, go for it because I'm not, I'm not convinced. I hate the whole – okay, well, let, okay. well, I'm glad you said that because that's our next piece of news. And I'm going to let you talk about it. But Shams tweeted out that the Pacers could emerge as a suitor for Westbrook. If you follow all Pacers on Instagram, you saw that we had made a post about this. People were up in arms about it because no one wants that to happen. But it sounds like Sal might be interested in something like this. Sal, can, can we hear your thoughts on this? Yes, I'm just pulling up a uh, mock trade that I saw uh, just a couple hours ago. And it was uh, proposed... Uh, I think it wasn't a Lakers fan, so I think it was just a, one of those trade machine NBA things, right? But um, it was involving Westbrook and Brogdon. The full trade was uh, the Pacers get Russell Westbrook, Taylor Horton Tucker, and two future first-round picks, which would be the 2027 and 2029, but 2029 would be protected, I think. Uh, now, that 2027 pick, there's no LeBron James there, uh, so and maybe no AD, so they could be a bottom feeder of the league at that time, so that's why I'm kind of excited about that 2027 round pick. Um, But the Lakers would be getting Brogdon, Buddy Heald, and Goga um, in this trade. And, I mean, you're getting rid of the next three years of Brogdon, you're getting rid of uh, two years of Buddy Heald, uh, and you're getting Russell Westbrook's $44 million. Uh, Whether whether not, or whether we do play him, because he could just be benched, but I could like, I would do this trade on the conditions that Russell Westbrook comes off the bench and he does not share many minutes with Tyrese Halliburton. If they start both of them together, no, it's just going to be a worse version of this Brogdon thing that they have going on. But I mean, I personally like Westbrook and I never slander Westbrook, but if I could have Westbrook come off the bench, especially a guy like, I mean, it's cool to have a guy that, I mean, now that he's kind of more washed. But like in Washington last year, I'm still really high on that year when he averaged 20-20-20 on the Pacers. Um, but I mean, I think he still has a lot, a little bit left in the tank. And uh, I mean, it's a guy that's like an MVP, like 10 plus time All Star. So uh, I mean, to have him come off the bench would be cool. But I don't see this trade realistically happening. Um, and basically, what this would do for the Pacers is you get Westbrook for the year. He'd definitely leave us after that. But, um, and then you get Taylor Horn Tucker, which I'm not high on at all, but some people are still very high on him. Uh, and then the most highlight part would be the picks. Uh, so we're getting money off the books with the Buddy and Brogdon contracts. And then we're taking in Westbrook for the season, paying him his $44 million, And then next year after that, we have $44 million in cap to spend. But we lose one of Brogdon. I mean, we lose both instead both, of keeping yeah. one of Brogdon we, we or Heal, yeah. which to me, when I hear that, I know you aren't a fan of Brogdon and Halliburton on the same I team. Like, I like Heald. I really like Heald. But yeah, Heald is Heald's tough because doesn't he help Halliburton's development? Is Westbrook going to hinder it? Probably. <sighs> it's the same reason why the Charlotte Hornets rumors were shut down immediately when Shams had said that Westbrook might go to the Hornets. Like, why are you going to bring him there if he's going to take 
developmental time away from Lamella. That's Ball. my worry. That's why I said the one condition would be he comes off the bench and he shares little minutes with Tyrese. Uh, maybe Russ Westbrook plays like twenty five minutes and then he plays like the fifteen minutes that Tyrese doesn't play and or the ten minutes that Tyrese doesn't play and then he shares ten minutes with Tyrese. Yeah. So well, then Okay. And I mean maybe that could be I a good thing for Halliburton to work work on. And like yeah, you could learn because this is a guy that's like an MVP. This is a guy that's yeah. a, like a legend top seventy five player. And like obviously Tyrese isn't I mean, all time he's not even close to Westbrook, but he's way better now. But I mean, you can definitely learn some things from Russell Westbrook and if it's just for a year, I mean I wouldn't be opposed to trying it. And I mean, you, you get rid of Buddy Heald, but then in this scenario, you're probably going to try and keep TJ Warren, um, which I know a lot of people are thinking whether to pick between Buddy and TJ. I could go either way, honestly. But uh, I mean, to shake things up, to make this team super fun, you get Russell Westbrook. I, I don't know. I could don't you know. could you keep Heald and include tj warren in that trade would that work probably not yeah right? I, don't, I don't i don't i don't know what that would be like i think warren's um, making probably 18 million yeah it probably won't work out well buddy's making about 20 something yeah um and i don't think tj warren's gonna get signed to a 20 plus million dollar contract i can realistically see it being like two years 12 million each year yeah um and i mean you get tj warren instead of buddy healed i mean it's probably better value uh based on what we've seen from TJ Warren and um so yeah. just so everyone knows Westbrook has a player option for 22 and 23 and he's not season. declining 50 million dollars yeah so like, he's making zero chance it's a 47 million dollar deal he yeah like Sal said probably won't decline a 50 million you're dollar a psychopath deal. if you're declining 50 yeah. million dollars yeah if people bu- try if people try to bully you into not taking that money <laughs> and you end up not taking that money because people bullied you then like you probably deserve to be bullied <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like the dennis schroeder thing all over again like you yeah. decline 50 million to just get a veteran's minimum it's crazy yeah so okay well at least you've moved you've moved the needle for me a little bit towards the i might be okay with this trade but i'm still i mean yeah you the, can swing either way I i'm mean, still I definitely no. I disrespect anyone's opinion on that because i mean you know, i'm, I'm higher i'm definitely way higher on brogdon than you um and that's part of it and i know i'm higher on goga than you but that doesn't really affect this at all because i i mean i trade brogdon for like john henson and a bag of chips so <laughs> i mean all right let's move on to the next piece of news which um we already talked about is the pacers will have their first single digit pick since 1989 but i wanted to talk about how that lines up all time for the indiana pacers we did a segment on this um a while back where we talked about the Pacers were on pace to have the eighth worst record in franchise history. Sal, where do you think they finished at this point? Worst. They aren't worse. That's that's actually a really Second, good guess. Top though. three. Top we are, three. We have the third worst yeah. record in Pacers sixty-five years of existence. No, fifty-five years of existence. And um that's a three point uh zero five no sorry a 30.5 percent win percentage um just to give you a perspective on where this ranks all time and how bad of a season this was for the pacers let's go all the way back to 2020 2021 with nate bjorkgren as our head coach (laughs) this season or in 2020 2021 the pacers finished 34 and 38 
which is a 47% win percentage. That was the worst year as a Pacers fan that I've ever experienced. And That was bad. That was bad. Yeah, and I'm trying to even count where that would be all time because it's not even super close to the bottom. Let's see. So it's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. It's at least 15 or better from the bottom. So this season, the third worst all time and a worse – let's see. This is a worse – um, win percentage than the 2009-2010 Pacers. And Sal, I want to read you the starting lineup because this is important. <laughs> this is important to know. I think we've brought this up at least one point. But our starting lineup that year was a 23-year-old Roy Hibbert at center. We had Troy Murphy, Brandon Rush, Danny Granger, and then Earl Watson. This is our worst year? This was No, this was 2009-2010. I think this is our 10th worst year. Oh, but okay. when we started talking about this at the beginning of the year, you know, our lineup was Brogdon, Lavert, um, Holiday, Sabonis, and Turner. And well, we our, thought TJ Warren would be back. We thought TJ Warren would be back. I made a bet on FanDuel that the Pacers win lot or the wins total wins would be over forty two and a half. Um, <laughs> dude, what a terrible bet! And you know what's the worst too? The FanDuel kept that in my account, like that bet. They never took the like they just kept it. They never finished the bet until yesterday. Even when it was statistically impossible for the Pacers to get 43 or more wins, FanDuel just kept it there just to, you know, gloat that they beat me that bad. I know that's what they were doing. But, yeah, the Pacers, man, it's, it's been a bad year, but it doesn't feel like the worst year because it was kind of fun, right? Yeah, I know. I love this year. Uh, I don't care that we lose anymore. For the first time as a Pacers fan, I do not care what the outcome of the game is unless it's, like, towards the end of the season where I actually need them to lose. Yeah. No doubt. You know? Yes, I totally get that. I mean, it's it's nice to not like be mentally dragged down by the Pacers losing. It you know, feels be- like there's nothing like there's no risk of like just watching the Pacers and right. enjoying watching the Pacers without having to worry about us stinking because it's it's acceptable for us now. Yeah, and look, I'm a diehard Indiana Hoosiers fan. They've been bad recently. Um, they made the tournament this year, but a couple years ago, I decided I'm not going to let them affect my mood. And it's just been really, you know, pleasant to watch the Hoosiers. Like they haven't been great or anything. Um, they haven't been good, but you know, I'm not like mad when the, when the Hoosiers lose. And this year with the Pacers, we got to experience that. And I think that's a really uh, good place to be at as a fan, at least for a season, just to kind of get our heads back on straight. When the Pacers get good with Halliburton going forward, then yeah, like we'll probably be affected if they lose an important game. But it's just nice for now. That's my whole point. Um, I, I want to move on because the Pacers did wrap up the season April 10th, which was yesterday. We're recording on a Monday. Um, and we lost to the Brooklyn Nets by eight points. Sal, I don't know if you have this game pulled up at all. I'm, I'm sure you watched it. It was a 3.30 p.m. game yeah. on ESPN, at least Eastern time, 3.30 p.m. It was our second national TV game of the year, I believe. That I, I'm not counting NBA TV. I think we have three. I think we had three. Yeah. So one of them was NBA TV. I can't we remember. We had Lakers. We had Lakers, Warriors, and this game. That's right. That's what it was. So our third national TV game of the year, which is just the worst, but we lost to the Brooklyn Nets in Brooklyn. It should have been a lot worse than it was. We were down 29 to 41 in the first quarter. 
but we really dug back in the second half. We ended oh, up, yeah. we, yeah, we won the second half by eight points and, uh, I was rooting for a win cause I didn't think it mattered either way at that point. I, I think the trailblazers ended up with two more wins than the Pacers, which is just crazy when you look at the rosters, but, um, or at least who they're starting, but I mean, fun game. And do you want to? Do you have it pulled up? I'd love to talk about some of the stats here in this one. Well, O'Shea had a huge game, at least a huge third quarter. He finished with 28. And uh, Tyrese also had a good game himself, um, which is I'll pull up the, the stats for Tyrese. But um, O'Shea had 28 points. Um, eight rebounds. Eight rebounds, three assists, one steal. And then Tyrese had 17 points, 10 assists, four rebounds, two steals. Yeah, we got to see TJ McConnell in this one too. 14 points, three made three pointers. Yeah. Huge. I live bet that one at over one and a half threes. I put 60 cents on it, and I think it was plus 270. So I, I ended up with like two bucks. <laughs> yeah. So shout out TJ McConnell. I've always said he's a shooter. He just needs the opportunity. And look, he, he, he took his chance. Shout out TJ McConnell. Um, we got to see Isaiah Jackson in the starting lineup too, which is always a pleasure. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was a tough loss at, I, I guess in one way, but obviously we wanted more losses and this, they, they gave us in a game that seemed like the Pacers were going to lose by a large amount early on. I think they were down by close to 20 at some point in the first half or maybe even the third quarter, but, um, in a game that seemed like we were going to lose by a lot, the Pacers really made this one fun. And I think that's the story for this season, at least towards the end of the year. And uh, that's probably the only game I want to talk about. You you already mentioned it. We we ended the season on a ten game losing streak and finished with the fifth lottery. Like not gonna lie, I barely like paid attention to any of these games when we were playing down the stretch. Like I mean, like once Tyreeks was straight there, like I was all eyes on everything. But like after we just started losing and losing and losing, I was like, okay, like I'm happy we're losing. Like it's great for the team. But like, I mean. I know we're going to lose and I know we're going to get blown out like 90% of these games. So, I mean, I, I tune in in like the fourth quarter. A lot of the times I don't really usually watch the first <laughs> half, but like there was also a really good game. Like, like I want to talk about one more game. Let's do it. Uh, um, I really like this Kings Pacers matchup where Tyrese returned to Sacramento. Same with Buddy Heald. And uh, we lost by one point. Tyrese had 13 points, 15 assists. Um, and we lost on a game winner. And that is the perfect way to lose as a Pacers fan right now. Yeah. Uh, you want to lose. Like the Blazers, when they're losing, they're losing by 40 every game. But at least this team can lose and actually provide entertainment for their fans and show that with just a few like retoolings and like things that we change, like maybe we have that core that's able to compete at some point because they were not that far off from beating these teams. But Damon Jones uh, got an offensive rebound off of a missed Trey Lyles three and had a, uh, a putback with 0.1 seconds left on the clock, uh, which just, and it was a big game for us too, because the, we were, both teams were playing for something uh, and uh, the Pacers were playing to keep the Kings back away from them. Because if the Pacers won, the Kings would be tied in record with the Pacers. But since the Kings uh, won, they were, ended up being two games behind. And then that was enough for the Pacers to run away with, yeah, held on to that spot. Yeah, I mean, we held yeah. off the Trailblazers and the Kings and almost caught the Thunder. So, I mean, in a perfect almost. world, we would have, but we're going to have a good draft pick, and I'm excited for it. Um, we're going to, in a different podcast probably next week, we're going to talk about our core, our young core, and where it ranks in the league going forward. But 
uh, that's going to be next week. Cause I'm looking at like this Detroit Pistons. We lost to them three times out of four this year. And I'm just looking at like some of these other really bad teams and how they performed against us and their young cores. And we're going to talk about that next week. So be ready. But Sal, we have a fun segment right now because since the season is wrapped up, we're going to look through every single player that's been on the Pacers roster, which this season has been 28 crazy. Um, and who have played games. We're not counting like Amita Brima in the preseason or anything, which I guess we could grade him. We, you know, what, what would you I give can't. Amita I Brima? Didn't, I didn't watch Amita Brima in the preseason. I don't even know if he played preseason at this point. That's <laughs> I, I, I don't think he did. <laughs> Let's just give him a C yeah. because that's average. And a that's going to be is. a theme as well. Yeah, um, that's what he is. But yeah, since 28 guys played for the Pacers, we went through, we gave each of them a letter grade. We're doing the standard F to a plus maybe you gave someone an f minus i don't know but no. f to a plus and we're going to give our reasoning behind these guys too some of them may not need a, a, a lot of discussion about why we gave them that grade because it's probably pretty understood but we're gonna we're gonna talk about this a little bit and hopefully if you're listening right now you appreciate these grades and if you have a different perspective on what these guys should have been graded for this year with the pacers let us know on Instagram at all.pacers. We'd love to talk to you. Sal, I gave you the list of guys in order yeah, based on minutes. They're in the same order as yep. ones you have. And we're doing it based on minutes per game played for the Pacers this year. And I keep saying played for the Pacers because, you know, we've had a ton of guys that have been traded to the Pacers or, like, for example, Lance played with the Hawks this year, yeah. but then signed with the Pacers after that. So we're not counting, like, his stats with the Hawks or like Halliburton stats with the Kings. This is all with the Pacers and how we saw them as Pacers this year. So let's go ahead and start with number one in minutes per game, which is Tyrese Halliburton with 36.1. What grade do you give him, Sal? The only man to receive this grade in this list of players is an A+. I mean, like, his offensive consistency in terms of aggression can definitely be improved because there's some games where he literally takes eight shots when he is the star player of this team. Uh, and that's something that comes with time. Um, but like, I mean, once he adds that offensive confidence, like I wish you could give um, like Chris Duarte's offensive confidence to Tyrese. And then you have like a literal like God because Chris was not afraid to shoot anything. But um, I mean, you get that offensive confidence and then you just have like the perfect player. But aside from like what we could have had, we had a great player. We had a player that is promising. We had a player that is shown that he is the next franchise guy for this team. And I mean, he averaged nineteen or was like seventeen points and like just about ten assists, uh, which is crazy. I mean, he's like top, uh, I think, three in assists per game in the NBA, and he's a sophomore. Yeah, we're. So, I have all the stats right here for you. You know. So, yeah, so like you said, 17.5 points per game with the Pacers, yeah. 9.6 assists, and yeah. I gave him an A-plus as well because he's just this, he's a star player, clearly, and the, the advanced stats back it up. I want to talk about this a little bit. Since he was traded to the Pacers, he's fourth in assists in the NBA. This is in 26 games played for him. Um, he is sixth in steals, which he had yeah. 1.8 steals per game. He's tied for sixth, but um, I just went ahead and put him sixth. And then he's also a 50, 40, 84 guy, which that's 50% or better from the field, 40% or better from three, and which he shot 41.6% from three for the Pacers. All the signs were pointing, that, pointing to him being a great three-point shooter. 
Um, I didn't think it was going to be a 41.6% three-point shooter. So that's been a ton of fun watching him too. And only takes smart shots. You got to love it. And then 84% from the free throw line. Sal, there's only four other players in the NBA to have those shooting splits since the Halliburton trade. Do you want to guess who those four guys are? 50, 40, 84. And I'm, I'm only doing this because they're all great players and we're going to talk about this here in a minute but so if that's i'm hoping that's a hint that's why i said that they're all great players joel Embiid. no steph curry no (laughs) i'm not um dude uh devin booker devin booker is one kevin durant kevin durant is two okay um no not Jokic here i'm just gonna read the others Jason Tatum, who's been great since the All-Star yeah. break. Really, this season, he's been great. Um, so, Booker, Tatum, Durant, and then DeMar DeRozan, surprisingly. But he doesn't take as many From threes. three, yeah. He, yeah, he doesn't take as many. Um, I would have guessed that. But those four plus Tyrese Halliburton are, are the only four to have those shooting splits since the trade. That, I mean, I don't. there's not much better company for someone to be in as far as a shooter goes in the league right now. So... Look, if this is indie, any indicator of how good of a player he can be, then we're in great shape. He's the youngest of those guys. He's only 21. The next youngest is, I believe, Jason Tatum, who is 23, maybe 24. But I, I believe Tyrese is 22 now, I think. Okay. So, I mean, look, the the point is, that's great company. Yeah, I'm really yeah, excited for his process. Yeah, and you know, the fourth and assist and sixth and steals, that's huge. We I we will see him shoot more, I would guess, going forward, but points per game at seventeen and a half, maybe it'll jump up to twenty one or something as he becomes more of a great player, but I know he's gonna always get his teammates involved. And that's what I love about him too as a player. So let's move on. We both gave him an A plus. Let's move on to number two. That's Buddy Heald, who I gave an A minus. I really like his shot creation for other guys right now on the on the court. His three point percent has dipped since he's been in Indy, but I I still really have enjoyed him as a player. I don't think he's a winning player necessarily, long term, especially based on his track record in his entire NBA career. But his assists going up to where they are now, and you know him trying to get his teammates involved, I could be wrong there because of that. So I, I gave him an A minus. I really liked him this year. Average 18.2 points per game, five rebounds and five assists. Pretty much. So I gave him a, a B plus, uh, only because of his pretty rocky start where he shot like one for, uh, shot like one for 13 from three in one game. Uh, I think that, yeah, it was abysmal, but, uh, I mean, he came to Indiana, he looked a little rocky, but he picked it up and he really, uh, showed a new side of his game, which I talked about a little earlier in this episode. Um, so I'm not going to expand too much on that, but, uh, like you said, he's not the most winning player. I mean, I talked about this in the playbook episode. If you haven't listened, go check it out. But, uh, he is the most, he's the act, uh, hidden being an active player out of all active players in the NBA. Uh, he has the most games played without making the playoffs in between any of those just passing Zach Levine. Uh, and so he's at 468 games played in his career and no playoffs. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I did hear that on the playbook. That's what made me start thinking about this too. So shout out Sal doesn't miss. If you haven't listened, go listen, but you gave him a B plus. You said, 
Yeah, I think this the rocky start kind of gives cool. that, but I, I don't think I could give him an A. Letter. All right, let's move on to the third most minutes per game for the Pacers. That's Demonis Sabonis, who played 47 games for us this year. And I gave him a B. No, sorry, I gave him an A. The numbers dropped, but the talent around him was inconsistent at best. That's really my take on it. He averaged 18.9 for the Pacers, 5 assists, 12 rebounds. And, I mean, started taking some threes this year, too, which you, you wanted to see. We didn't think he was going to get traded necessarily. We thought this was the Miles Turner getting traded season. But we uh, still saw, you know, good Sabonis out there, especially with the pieces that he had around him. And I think that's important to talk about because he is the point center. Or he was the point center for the Pacers and still, you know, had a pretty good statistical run with us this season. So I gave him an A. I also gave him an A, uh, but I think this season, not it didn't. I would have given an A plus, but what he did didn't translate into wins. So I think that personally, he had his best uh, basketball this season in Indiana, like as an individual. I think that he evolved in many aspects of his game, becoming a pretty like a much better to his standards defender. Uh, I feel like he took a little bit of a step, uh, not super noticeable to the NBA fan, but as a Pacers fan, like I noticed that you had a little improvement on defense. And then also like the three ball, like there were games where sometimes he'd hit three threes in a game. And uh, I think he averaged probably like close to like two threes or like one three a game. So, I mean, I'm happy for him. I mean, he just had his first kid. So, I mean, shout out to Sabonis and uh, all wishes. I wish him the best and wherever he goes. But I think his Pacers stint was worthy of an A this year. Yep. Love it. And let's move on to our fourth minutes. And that's Malcolm Brogdon, who only played 36 games this year. Poor shooting. Um, he did hold this team together at times when he was on the court because someone had to. And he was probably the best player on the court many times this year. But I gave him a B because I, I just thought, you know, he was OK. Pretty abysmal from three. And uh that's my take. This has to do a lot with his health and his shooting for me. That's why I gave him a B. Oh, you're going to laugh. You're not going to like this one. Let's hear uh, it. Ooh. I gave uh, Malcolm Brogdon a D plus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this guy needs to like get a cane or something on the court. Uh, the injuries are just crazy. Uh, shot horribly from three this year, I, I, I think. Um, I mean, I think when he's on the court, he makes his teammates worse. Um, and I know that might be a take that people don't want to hear, but I mean, I, I don't like him. I mean, the only things that I can give him is that he has games where he can take over and he can close games. I'll give him that. But other than that, like between him missing a ton of games and like making other, his teammates worse. And I don't know, I just didn't really like him this year. Yeah. That's kind of crazy to me, but I, I know how you feel about Brogdon. So my defense for Brogdon would be he averaged 5.9 assists this year with 19 points per game and five rebounds per game. I mean, it's good statistically, but like someone has to. Yeah, it's good stats, bad team maybe, I, I if that's yeah. what you're saying. So yeah. yeah, I get that. I mean, he is a guy who when we needed a shot, um, like he, he can get to a spot pretty well, better than most of these guys that we had on this team this year. Um, when he's driving to the basket, he's so strong. He can always get there. 
I love that about him, or I love that about him. He's still a pacer. I'm thinking in my head he's not just talking to you. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I liked him. I thought he had a pretty rough shooting season, though, so that's why I bumped him down to a B. But like I said, he did hold this team together at times, and you you even mentioned it. Like, he's the guy who can go get us a bucket when we need one. So, B compared to a D plus. All right, there's our first major discrepancy. Let's move on to number five in minutes. That's Karis LeVert, 31 per game. Um, minutes per game he averaged 18.7 for the Pacers to go along with 3.8 rebounds and 4.4 assists I gave him a C plus mostly because I didn't like the ball stopping aspect of his game he shot poor from deep he shot let's see 32.3 percent which is better than Brogdon's 31.2 percent from three but he was one of the only shot creators on the Pacers this season and like I said with Brogdon, he kind of was the glue at times when we needed someone to be the glue, which should never be Karis LeVert, I don't think. But he, to me, he never really felt like a pacer during his time either, which I can't explain it, but he always seemed detached from the team, at least just watching the games. I don't know if you got that. I gave him a C. Uh, I mean, I'll say a couple things about Karis. Um I came into the season saying he would be the best player on the Pacers after this season, and that's assuming Sabonis would still be on the team. Now, that's extremely high praise for a guy, uh, and he did not live it up at all. Uh, I think there's games where Karis LeVert would literally shoot us out of the game when we were trying to win at points in the season. Like, he would go 4 for 27 regularly sometimes and i know that's a bit of an exaggeration but you kind of get how what i'm talking about here and uh i mean there's games where it's coming down the clutch and you just know karis is shooting the ball it's gonna miss um and i mean like you said he stops the ball he stops the offense he's very iso orientated uh with his shots i mean i kind of like his shot selection at times but like he just doesn't make them a lot of the time for sure. So, the, but he can score, so that's why he gets C. He can score, and I mean that's why he's a six-man type of player, and we were asking him to do a lot, but I mean that doesn't affect my grade. I'm still giving him a C plus. So there you go. Uh, Karis Levert was fifth. Let's move on to sixth. That's Miles Turner, who played 42 games this year, 12.9 points, 7.1 rebounds. You'll hear me say this next season as well when we talk about Miles Turner's season. It will be. 12.9 points and 7.1 rebounds. Plus, he had 2.8 blocks, but very inconsistent as far as when he played games. He, like I said, only played 42. I think it was a disappointing season from him. I didn't see him grow in parts of the game, in parts of his game that I wanted to see him grow in. His three-point percentage was at 33.3%. And to be a floor spacer like we needed him to be when Sabonis was here, um, I we just weren't getting that from him and yeah just kind of like a weird fit and a guy who's still on this team but we have other guys that we're more excited for in Isaiah Jackson and Jalen Smith potentially so I gave Miles Turner C plus okay. a lot of this has to do with the Pacers shutting him down this year so I, I don't want to put all the blame on him but 42 games and didn't get much better like I'm at least based on the eye test I can tell you gave him a higher score, Sal. Let's talk about that. I gave him a B. I couldn't give him any higher than that because of the games that he missed. Um, you know, the shot blocking ability was still there. Uh, 
I know every year Master says, I'm going to step up on offense. I'm going to do this. He didn't. Um, but, I mean, I don't know if I can really discredit him for not scoring a lot when you are playing with a guy like Sabonis, but I think that coming into next year, I mean, I would complain about his three-point shot. That was pretty very bad this year. But, um, I mean, I think a B is warranted. And next season, I'm kind of out of this honeymoon protect miles phase. It's if you don't step up on offense next season, you can go. <laughs> like, you, you need to, if you're the starting center playing 30-plus minutes a game, you need to average more than 12 points, especially if you can shoot the three ball. And you're going to have the paint open to you. You've got that. You can dunk. You're a pretty good dunker. You're a pretty good finisher on the rim. Uh, you can shoot when you're supposed to, uh, as well, we're used maybe to seeing. Not. not this season, but... Okay, um, the biggest knock for him, though, yeah. is Jalen Smith averaged 13.4 points per game yeah, this year. and way so, less come on. Too. If he's doing it, come on, Turner. Uh, let's move on to Justin Holiday, who averaged 11 points for us and shot 37.8% from the three. I gave him a B-. A B-. I love Justin Holiday. But he's a B minus type of player, and I mean, it's he was an important part of this Halliburton trade in order to make that work. So at least he was good enough to make that happen. And uh, yeah, B minus for him. I just wanted to breeze through that one. What, what I gave him a C plus. I think he entered the year on an extremely big shooting slump, and um, it's Justin Holiday, so couldn't ask him to do more. All right. Uh, number eight is Chris Duarte with 28 minutes played per game. Uh, averaged 13.1 points, 4.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and had a steal. Shot 30, let's see, 37% from three and 80% from free throw line. Uh, I gave him a B. Inconsistent playing time, always hurt. I'm worried he's the next Brogdon, but he still showed enough signs to remain optimistic about his development. I know he's older, but. Still, I mean, only played two years in college. This is his first year in the NBA. So, like, doesn't have all the reps on his body already. So, he's he's a young 24, 25 at this point. I gave him a B because we didn't get to see a ton of him. But when we did, I really liked him. Um, I gave him a uh, B-. minus. I think that, the, yeah, the issues uh, with his injuries were kind of bad. I'm pretty disappointed that he only averaged two assists, especially as I believe he played a little bit of point guard in Oregon. Uh, so I, I just, I'd expect it to be a little bit higher. I mean, the start of Chris Duarte's career as a pacer was pretty stellar. I mean, this guy was like a top three rookie at the start of the year, and he was scoring the ball. I know everyone was like just taking back all their like knocks on Chris going coming out of the draft, but I mean... It's just plain and simple, the B minus, because I'm more excited uh, with a couple rookies in this class that we have now than I am with him. So, well, let's talk about one of those. I guess he's not a rookie, but another young guy, Jalen Smith, who's next on this list. 21 year old center. We already talked about him because he scored more points per game than Miles Turner. He played 20, 22 games for us, uh, 24.7 uh, minutes per game, which is five less than Miles Turner. But still averaged more at 13.4 points, 7.6 rebounds, which is more than Turner as well. And shot pretty well from, actually really well from three at 37%. I gave him an A-minus 
because he showed some serious flashes and he's someone I think the Pacers need to lock up for the future. Sal, what are, what are your thoughts? Even though he's the worst basketball player I've seen in my life, I still gave Jalen Smith an A. Um, I mean, I don't think any team should look at him at all, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he was great for the Pacers. Uh, you know, he was coming out of Phoenix as like a 30% three-point shooter. Elevates that to another level in Indiana. Um, I mean, he's part of the Glasses Club, uh, so I got to give it to him. Um, I also like really like like this upside as like a 22 year old guy, and just absolutely hoping that he decides to stay with us. So that's all I can say. He wears glasses, and I'm guessing you were. Do you wear glasses on the court? You wear goggles I wear, on the I court? I wear goggles on the court as well. Man, I didn't know that. That's so cool. You, you wear goggles on the court? <laughs> yeah. Wow, dude. <laughs> you, Hakeem Olajuwon, Jalen Smith, Sal, what do they all have in common? <laughs> Wait, did Hakeem wear goggles? Sometimes. Yeah, he did. Sometimes, yeah. Um, next is TJ McConnell with 24.1 minutes per game. I gave him a C because he only played 27 games this year. I'm just basing this on his grade this season in the NBA. I love TJ McConnell. It was a C based on when he played and how much he played. So not enough time on court to be rated higher. Always a, fa- uh, always a fun player on the court, though. Everything you said, and I also gave him a C. Hey, love it. Consistency. Let's move <laughs> on to let's move on to O'Shea Brissett, who's next. And I know you love him. I gave him an A. He averaged 9.1 points, 5.3 rebounds, and shot 35% from three. Based on where he started the season, which is um, with uh, like out of the rotation, wasn't playing at all. We all knew he was good, but, you know, waited his turn, got the opportunity and was asked to play a position, which, you know, oftentimes was the center or power forward position. He's probably best at the power forward spot, but it still feels wrong for him to play those positions. But he did he played those spots and played really well so I love O'Shea Brissett I gladly gave him an A because I think he played better than anyone could have expected this year I also gave him an A I knew this potential was in him uh and he's gonna keep it up he's gonna be a a guy that's part of our core for the foreseeable future he's gonna get a con he's gonna get a pretty good contract when he's uh I think it's after next season or is it the season after that that he's up for free agency but I mean, love this guy. Super versatile, good defender. He can play basically any position you ask him to. So, yeah. Next is Terry Taylor. Everything I just said about O'Shea Brissett, almost up a notch because Terry Taylor's six foot five. An yeah. all-time great college basketball player. He's in the top, I think, what did I send? Was he top 30 all-time in points made in a career in college yeah. basketball? So. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that about him. I just learned that the other day, I think on Saturday. So uh, super exciting. At least he's, we know he can score. But uh, I gave him an A this year because he's a six foot five shooting guard who was playing center for us at times. And the Denver game I went to, he had nine offensive rebounds. Um, and he's just that type of guy who you know wants it and clearly has the wherewithal and IQ to make some moves in the NBA. So Terry Taylor, I gave him an A because the way that he performed based on his size um, was astronomical. I gave him a B plus. Um, 
Uh, I liked his numbers, of course. I mean, this is a guy that can grab 10 rebounds on any given night at 6'5". Uh, he's definitely got the tools to be a long-tenured NBA player. He's got the skills. Um, and, yeah, very happy for him and his uh, like upbringing, upbringing as a pacer and how it was like, kind of a rocky way to get into the rotation. But, you know, exciting rookie. He's a young rookie and uh, can't say much more. Well, with that, let's move on to number 13, which is Justin Anderson, 20.7 minutes per game, averaged 6.8 points, 3.1 rebounds, 2.1 assists, had flashes, I'll I'll be honest, had flashes, looked like a competent NBA player at times. Um, I still gave him a C- minus because like the bad outweighs the good for me. Shot 24.5% from three, and it felt like it. Look, he shot 4.1 threes per game and I don't know I don't know who told him to shoot that much. My thought every time I watch him play though is he thinks he's the best player on the court and he's going to do whatever it takes to prove that he's the best player on the court. And I'm just not a fan, but uh I gave him a C minus and the only comment I have to say about him is he is part of the gruesome twosome, so you got to give him that. I gave him a C plus. I felt like I gotta give him a little bit of credit. Um, I know when he got signed, all I could hear was you complaining and being angry about it. So, uh, I mean, you see this guy who's a big, like a a heavy sized forward. Uh, He can't really shoot that well from three, but like he's able to get to the rim and body his way into the rim. He's a guy that, you know, you can put on the court and. Like, I don't know, he's somewhat serviceable at this point in his career, but you couldn't really ask him for much more. Uh, he seems to be a good hype man, at least. Uh, you know, yeah. that iconic Pacers picture that's probably going to go down in history. Um, yeah. C yeah, plus. okay, that's that's true. Maybe I should bump him up to a C just based on that picture. Um, yeah. I'm going to keep it at C-, minus though. <laughs> Let's move on to next guy, and we'll we'll rush through these next handful because we actually have a good amount left but Torrey Craig at 51 games played for the Pacers I gave him a B minus I thought he was the fifth best guy on the court for the Pacers anytime okay C plus I gave him B minus like I said it did get us Jalen Smith in that trade Torrey Craig did so same reason as you he's a good guy on the court he's always like a good player and uh, he can play defense so I value that at C plus yeah for me though he didn't live up to what I expected from him which was a three and D player he didn't shoot very well from three. Not so much the three, but yep. the D was there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Dwayne Washington, <laughs> our rookie from Ohio State, Dwayne Washington, who averaged 20 minutes per game, played 48 games for us, um, really had a fight for his spot on the roster, and I gave him an A-. minus. I really like Dwayne Washington. He's my – I mean, I probably like him more than Taylor, Terry Taylor at this point. It's hard to, it's hard to say that, but I anytime – Terry, or anytime Dwayne Washington's on the court, I just feel really good about um, <laughs> him as a player and his prospect going forward because I feel like he only does good things on the court. Um, I could be wrong there, but 9.9 points per game and shot 37.7% from three. I think that uh, for him as a rookie this year, getting 20 minutes per game, starting out as a two-way player and, you know, getting the opportunity that he did at the end of the year and capitalizing on it. I got to give him props. That's why he gets that a minus from me. Uh, I give him an a 
everything you said, I just think he's so cool as a player. I mean, like, watching this kid, like, the threes, like, the types of shots he's taking, everything in his game looks so smooth. And, like, his ability to get be fast and get to the rim, like, he's not a slow guard. Uh, and, like, he's got a lot, like, a pretty decent amount of upside, like, as becoming, like, a solidified good either, uh, I mean, like, maybe he could start shooting guard at some point in his career, but at least I can see him having a serviceable bench career, at least in the NBA, as a guy that you'd want on a team. But, um, yeah, super excited for him. Might be a little more, like, excited. Maybe it's recency bias, but, like, I'm probably more excited for him than I am for Mr. Chris Duarte. Whoa, okay. Well, let's move on to Lance Stevenson. We'll get back to that on a different podcast. Um, (laughs) Let's move on to Lance Stevenson, who played 40 games for us this year. Uh, averaged 9.3 points, 3.9 assists, 2.8 rebounds. And his main purpose, I think, for this Pacers team was to bring excitement to the fandom. And he did. And that's what I'm basing is. Yes, he did did more than that. And he did more than that. So, look, I'm basing this grade off of what his purpose was on this Pacers team. So I'm giving him an A. I also gave him an A, but I'd really like to say that this guy's playmaking coming into the season is ridiculous. I've never seen like he him play games. He's a point guard now. If you if you haven't noticed, when he is on the court, he has the ball. He's bringing it up. He's jumping around on the court when he's bringing up the ball as well, which I really like. And uh, he's just such a fun player. Like I've never seen a, a player that is like more of an eye candy than Lance Stevenson is. And uh, I mean, the playmaking is is awesome. Like there's games where he can give you ten assists. And, uh, I mean, like the shot, the shot falling is sometimes inconsistent, but like the shot selection is there. I think he figured like, or I don't know if he became more humble in the off season or if something just clicked for him because, you know, he hasn't had a good playing time. I can't remember the last time he played in the NBA, but it hasn't been consistent playing time, um, for a while now. And when he last played for the Pacers, my issue with him was always, he was in the second unit with Sabonis. He would do a pick and roll with Sabonis or shoot up some random shot, Stevenson would, and would always just pass to Sabonis. It was just the two of them. It never felt like they were getting their teammates involved. And I don't know if that's like a him being cocky kind of thing. Maybe that was his role. And Nate McMillan was just not a great coach, which could be the case too. Um, but it seems like to me now he's figured something out. He's having fun out there in the same way that he always has, but is more relaxed and is a team player at this point in his career fully. So that's a lot to talk about Lance. I know everyone knows everything about Lance at this point as a pacer. So we'll, let's move on. So Lance was an A for both of us, right? Yep. So next is Kiefer Sykes, friend of the All Pacers pod. Played 32 games. Very inconsistent time. Um, so he has 17.7 minutes played per game. But really, it's there's it's a tale of uh, two stories for Kiefer Sykes because he either probably averaged 36 minutes per game or three <laughs> or minutes zero. per game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it was kind of a bummer. Like, he never had that consistent opportunity. Still averaged 5.6 points, 1.9 assists, 1.4 rebounds. His shooting numbers weren't great. But when he was called upon in big moments with the Lakers game and Warriors game, actually, he didn't play in the Lakers game. When he's called upon in the Warriors game, he capitalized. I still gave him a B. Um, I but, gave him B as well. Yeah, I mean, I I think he did great with his opportunity, and 
his build as a player too. So uh, it, was, we it wish... was the Knicks game, the Knicks game you were thinking of, not that, the Lakers one. That's but what it was. He had like 20 points in there. And also, I mean, like coming on to do an interview also boosts his grade a little bit. Oh, for sure. Well, I mean, in that case, <laughs> let's just say A. Um, a let's yeah. move on to Tristan a Thompson. Uh, Tristan Thompson's next with four games played. I gave him a D. I gave him a C plus. Okay, that's all I want to say about him. That's crazy that you gave him a C plus. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah. Why? That's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> all right, that's funny. You just liked his going away message. I did He's like thinking, that message that's... a lot. <laughs> all right, uh, Keelan Martin's next, C minus. I'm not a big Keelan Martin fan. It's pretty well known at this point, but um, he had his, he had some moments. I, I, he's the type of player who I would like to give a lower than C minus grade to, but you know I thought he was okay. Ended up getting I waived by the C. Pacers. Gave him a C. C minus, and you gave him a C. I know you like Keelan Martin more than I do. Yeah, but I kind of forgot about him when they picked <laughs> up like like let Dwayne Washington play and all that stuff. Yeah, one hundred percent. Um, next is Jeremy Lamb, who was coming back from injury. Still, um, he just doesn't seem like the same player at this point. But fifteen point seven minutes per game. And shot pretty poorly from the three. I gave him a C because I I didn't think he could defend well anymore. I don't think he ever really could defend, but he was worse this season. And then he couldn't consistently shoot from three. But he did help us get Halliburton because of his contract. So shout out, Jeremy Lamb. What's your grade? I gave him a D. Uh, only reason he's not getting lower than that is because he had one game where he had like 20 points and like led the Pacers to a win. That's All right, it though. Let's move on to the moment you've been waiting for. That's Isaiah Jackson. 21st in minutes played for this Pacers team. There's probably something wrong with that, but 15 minutes per game, 8.3 points, 1.4 blocks, 4.1 rebounds. I gave him a B plus, which means you probably gave him something higher than that. I love this guy as a player though. He couldn't get his consistent time, but he capitalized when he got the opportunity. Sal, I'm guessing at least an A. And that would be correct. Uh, I gave uh, Isaiah Jackson an A, and the only reason it's not an A plus is because he didn't get to play the whole year. Um, this is a guy that is second in the league for blocks per game, and he only played like uh, I don't know. I can confidently say he played twenty games with actual consistent minutes over like five and uh, one point four blocks per game. Uh, and he has games where he would, and that's like kind of deflated because uh, there's games where he didn't get enough minutes to put up uh like blocks and stuff but there's games where he has like four blocks and uh he's actually fifth on total blocks in the year and i'm confident that he could potentially like him and mobley would probably be one and two if he got to play all season because he had 52 blocks uh in just like how many games like probably like 36 yeah 36 and then like a lot of those he didn't get to play a lot of minutes so i mean gotta credit him there He's going to be a massive piece moving forwards. He's only 20 years old. Um, and, I mean, yeah, just so excited for him, his versatility, everything. I've talked about him so much. So. You have. You, you love Isaiah Jackson. I do. And uh, it's understood. Favorite rookie. Favorite At- rookie. Whoa, okay. Easily. Right. Hey, we're going to talk about that on a different podcast, too. <laughs> we got to remember all this. Uh, let's move on to number 22, Goga Batadze, who was 22 years old to start the season. Um, seven points, 3.5 rebounds, 0.8 blocks. Part two of the gruesome twosome. I gave him a slightly higher grade than Justin Anderson, so he gets a C from me. Um, probably could be lower. I gave him a C as well. Uh, only reason he was playing and having good games is because there's no one else that's better than him to play. So, 
uh yeah games where he had two games where he shot like nine shots each and didn't miss a single one which is kind of funny yeah but, i uh, mean he, he shows flashes but flash, like i said yeah. with uh jeremy lamb the bad outweighs the good sometimes so massively uh, yeah goga gets a c a lot of that has to do with disappointment because he is another year older another year in the league and looked worse than he has in the past so goga let's move on to brad wanamaker who played a surprising 22 games for the Pacers this season. I didn't realize he was in Indy that long, but I gave him a D because I can't even believe he was in the NBA. <laughs> Shot um, uh, 23% from three as well. I gave him an F, so <laughs> I don't think there's anything you can give him cr- credit for in this season uh, at all. Um, and I think he deserves an F. He's clear-cut the worst Pacer that I've seen this year. Wow. Okay. Uh, we got some random guys who have a combined 21, 31, 32, 33, 34, a combined 34 minutes played between these five guys. That's Gabe York, Reggie Perry, Dijon Giroux, Nate Hinton, and Ahmad Caver. Uh, I gave them all C's because we didn't really get to see him play. Gabe York could probably get worse than a C because he was pretty bad, but uh, any thoughts, Sal? Do you like any of those um, guys in particular? No. <laughs> I don't know how you could. We haven't really watched him. So, yeah, I gave them all C's just because we haven't seen him play. And then finally, at number 29, and maybe the last time we will ever rank him on one of these lists for at least a long time, probably ever, right? Um, yep. And that's Monte Ellis, who I gave an F because he played zero games for us this year. And the we injuries, paid him. Man, it's the injuries. It's the injuries. <laughs> yeah. We paid we paid him two point five million to not play. I'm I'm almost I almost feel like we should give me and you a better grade than Monte Ellis because we were f- like we didn't cost the Pacers anything. A plus. <laughs> if you gave Monte an A plus? No, me and you an A plus. Oh, okay. What do you give Monte? Uh I gave him an F as well. Okay, so he's finally off the book. Shout out Monte Ellis. Um top three no he's a top two pacer for me all time and he's not number two uh that wraps up our grades section that's obviously not true but um (laughs) sal the season's over what are you even going to do with your time i'm gonna have to make um pacers jersey swaps that too i also forgot you are our nba guy on all indie sports so you have plenty of stuff to do yeah you still have the playoffs. Me, I'm gonna, I'm going to Cancun. It's vacation time, um, but it's been another great season. I think this is our third, maybe. F- gosh, is it our th- fourth season? No, it's our third. I think this is our, the. What is this? This is our fourth season doing all Pacers. So, uh, crazy wraps up number four. So shout out to everyone who's been a fan, um, and. Uh, we're thankful to get to do this again and we'll be back next week, but, uh, we're so excited to talk about this off season for the Pacers, what can happen, um, because some crazy stuff will probably happen with this roster and, you know, building around Tyrese Halliburton going forward. What's that going to look like? I know we have our thoughts and we're going to give those to you in future podcasts, but Sal, um, as always, it's a pleasure talking Pacers basketball with you and, I mean, what what are your goals for the Playbook podcast in the next few weeks? Just kind of walk me through that because I want people to learn more about this podcast. 
So basically, we cover everything, all NBA stuff. Um, right now, we're kind of, uh, I guess, next week uh, in this upcoming one, the segment is pretty much guaranteed to be uh, predicting playoffs, um, which is kind of obvious because those are going to be starting after next week. And uh, yeah, excited with that. We'd hope to get more interviews. So got to try and work on some more connections, seeing what I can do there. But uh, we interviewed Hall of Famer Dino Raja. If you haven't checked that out, uh, if you haven't checked it out, check it out. And um, yeah, big things on the way. All right. So until next time for Sal, I'm Jack. You're listening to the All Pacers pod. Peace out. Sabonis brought it to him.